Welcome to the Rush Hour Podcast. Sit back and relax or hop on the treadmill for the next hour as we talk Saskatchewan Rush Lacrosse. Every month, Jake Elliott will talk with Saskatchewan players, coaches, executive and team personnel about all things Rush Lacrosse. And now, the host of the Rush Hour Podcast, Jake Elliott. What's going on, Rush Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Rush Hour Podcast presented by Merlin Ford, Lincoln, your premier choice, Ford and Lincoln dealer in Saskatoon. It's Jay Kelly and one half of the voice of the Rush, or voices of the Rush. Uh, the other half is on the line with me from Saskatoon. It's Ryan Flaherty back. With me here on the Rush Hour Podcast, Flats, uh, thanks for doing this again. We had so much fun last time. We decided uh, we're going to do this again and, and hopefully going to make this a regular thing. Well, why not? I mean, we're, we're glued at the hip uh, for the game, so we might as well just keep it going on the podcast. Yeah, right? the, like, more, the more time and, and opportunities we get the chance to talk to each other, not only uh, just, you know, about life in general, but uh, lacrosse and, and, of course, the Saskatchewan Rush, all the better as far as I'm concerned. As uh, we record the podcast here on January the 29th, this is a Wednesday. It should be coming out, uh, I would hope, in short order tomorrow. But uh, the news of the day, obviously, Flats, it, it's Bell Let's Talk Day. And, and I don't know uh, if, if you're allowed to kind of get in on this with your allegiances to Global or not. Uh, but this is a very important day in, in Canada for mental health. And I, I think it's a little apropos that uh, we're talking here on, on Bell Let's Talk Day. Absolutely, and yeah, I, I, I do not take part in this uh, particular uh, <laughs> uh, campaign because of my uh, my work affiliation. But I mean, it's obviously a, a, a conversation that is more than just about uh, the the company that initiated it. Uh, I think it's obviously a, a conversation that a lot of people are having, uh, continue to uh, have throughout the year, um, and uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's. Great to see people being able to share their stories and uh, even just feel that they're being heard a little bit more. Uh, so I think that is uh, all, all in all, a positive. And and a ton of money being raised, uh, obviously for mm-hmm. for mental illness, which um, at the end of the day is is the main objective here. Uh, so Rush Hour podcast. This is episode three of season two. And speaking of two, we got two great guests coming up on the podcast here as we'll be with you for the next, well, somewhere around 58 minutes as it's called the Rush Hour. And then we'll try and keep it around an hour just because it's it's called Rush Hour. Stay with me, Futs. Uh, we got two great guests coming up, Connor Robinson, Travis Cornwall, uh, both going to join the podcast here. And, you know, like, Last year, we, we talked to the heavy hitters. We talked to the Matthews, the Churches, the McIntoshes, the Coach Keenans. This year, I kind of want to dive into a bit of the Rush roster here that maybe I mean, fans obviously know who they are, but they don't get a lot of the attention with all the superstars throughout the Rush lineup. So not that they won't become superstars or aren't on the cusp of it already, but uh, I'm looking forward to talking to a couple of guys that may not get a lot of the limelight. Absolutely. These are, I would say, bar none for, and I mean, I talk to athletes, players on all kinds of teams and all kinds of different sports, but top to bottom, this rush roster, probably the best lineup of just interviews. Like these, these guys all have great stories. They have 
they're well-spoken. They have great things to say. And, uh, of course, because of the sport that they play, maybe some of those things aren't that widely known. And uh, so it's great to get a chance to, to chop it up with these guys. And, yeah, bottom top to bottom, they're a fantastic bunch and uh, always fun to talk to. Chop it up. I like that. I might have to steal that from you, uh, Ryan Flaherty. Yeah, so, Go for it. Yeah, okay, appreciate it. I guess it's not stealing if I ask permission. Uh, Connor Robinson coming up in about 10 minutes from now. Oh, excuse me, Travis Cornwell up first. And then we'll we'll talk to Connor Robinson, who's actually living in Saskatoon this season. I'm, I'm looking forward to... Talking to C Rob and see how that endeavor is going. I saw the boys out tubing the other day, uh, which which looked like, quite frankly, a lot. It looked cold, but it looked like a lot of fun uh, out there on the the big hill in Saskatoon. You're gonna have to tell me about this, Ryan Flaherty, because I I like I honestly did not know that there was a hill that was worthy of of tubing in in the winter time in Saskatoon. It is actually pretty brand new. The hill has been there for quite a while. It's in a place called Diefenbaker Park, but it's uh, Optimist Hill, and there was a big fundraising campaign. The McMorris brothers got behind it because, of course, Mark McMorris, Craig McMorris, big-time snowboarders, they're from Regina. And uh, so they turned what was just a hill that people would go to toboggan down into an actual uh, place with like where you got to pay a little bit of a mission, but there's like a little rope lift, there's jumps, yeah, and there's places for tubing. It's a whole thing. It's a really great addition to uh, the winter scene here in Saskatoon. I think people have been really uh, enjoying it. I think this is the second winter it's been open. So, yeah, pretty cool stuff to have here in town. Have you done it? I have not yet, okay. but I, I plan to soon. Yeah, I think uh, that, that might be the budding of a, a new feature on the nightly global news coming out. <laughs> That's know. right. All right, uh, two games to talk about as we're into the end of January here, and finally coming up next month, which we'll talk about later, a full month of lacrosse as the team will play on every single weekend for the first time this season. And hallelujah for that, Ryan, because, I mean, this – the schedule to start is, I mean, and every team's going through it, but it, it's been, it's just been really difficult to kind of generate any and sustain any momentum from week to week. You play a game, you wait a week. You play a game, you wait two weeks. You play a game, you wait another week. It, it, that's really difficult to do as a player. Oh, absolutely. Especially with these guys when they're, you know, coming together, they get their one practice, you know, before the game. And in the majority of cases, there, I know there are some teams that, are fortunate enough to have most of their players close by. So they're able to practice a little more frequently, but for most of these guys, it's, you know, come in the night before, get a practice in, get a game in. And in some instances, when the flights aren't working out, you don't even have that practice like the rush did for their last home game, which we'll get to in a moment. And that really limits your amount of time that you get to kind of get into sync and, and figure things out and re address anything that came up from the last game or what have you. And, you know, the, the teams like to play every weekend because they get that continuity, they get that flow, and some people might say, well, there's a week between games, how can you maintain that? It's a lot easier when it's, it's a, a week than yeah. two weeks or three weeks in the case of the rush right now. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm looking, And I'm looking forward to it, too, because, you know, the players, obviously, that's tough on them. But I think from a fan standpoint, too, it's hard to kind of get ramped up and, and sort of excited about the season when – there's all these breaks between games. Totally. And, I mean, Rush Nation, they've only seen their team twice. The season's two months old. And, so, and, and on top of that, uh, they, they haven't got a win 
at home yet this yeah. year, which which obviously needs to change. Their next home game coming up February the 8th as they'll get another crack at those Colorado Mammoth uh, who put up a stiff task against Buffalo. They're actually down in Vegas this weekend, Flats. Uh, yours truly making the trip down to Sin City for the first time ever to check out this game between the Mammoth and the Seals. So that's going to be a lot of fun, but this is a Rush podcast, and we're talking Saskatchewan Rush here. But the Seals do come into the conversation because they were the first game against Saskatchewan in the month of January, and maybe the best that the Rush have looked all year long down there in SoCal. Uh, You tell me, but I think what made them successful here, Flats, is that they got two and two out of Keenan. Benny finally showed up on the score sheet with four goals. Matthews did his thing. Dinsdale scored twice. They got a real balanced attack up front. It's something that they haven't had a lot of this season. They get to the 12-goal mark and look pretty good over the San Diego Seals. They win this one 12-9, and I don't know if it was ever really in jeopardy of them, and it, and it kind of reminded you of, of what this rush team could be. Absolutely. I, I would agree with everything you just said. I thought it was their most complete effort uh, from both ends of the floor uh, in their first four games of the season. Uh, San Diego, you know, they may have taken a step back this year compared to last year with some of the, I know we talked about it on the last edition of the Rush Hour podcast about some of the big names that aren't in that offense for San Diego right now, either guys that were, have moved on to other teams or in the case of an Austin Stotts or on the shelf with an injury. But that's still a tough trip. It's you know getting to San Diego, and they had they had played previously on the road as well in New York. So I was very impressed with the way they were able to get, as you mentioned, contributions from a number of guys. The defense continued its strong play that it has displayed for the majority of the season. They got some really solid goaltending again from Evan Kirk. The ninth goal is actually scored with like a second on the clock. So. You know, his save percentage could have been even higher than it was in that contest. And overall, a, a divisional win, too, which can't be um, overlooked as well. And even though San Diego is, you know, scuffling somewhat so far this season with just a couple of wins, you, picking up those wins against your divisional opponents are always very important down the line. So yeah, and even- I thought, uh, yeah, we really saw the rush team starting to look like, you know, maybe not even last year's team, but two years ago in that game in San Diego. Yeah, sure. And and to get those wins against divisional opponents, like I think it's at more so this year more than any other with the the realignment and, and the playoff change where the top two are getting in. And if you're in that three-hole, there is nothing guaranteed for you that you are going to make the playoffs. So I think the biggest thing here is, is you get one of those two top spots, obviously, but you absolutely want to fight for that number one spot and have home floor throughout the playoffs because that's that's going to be massive for whoever gets it. And and now as we move along to the second game here, which, which took place in the middle of the month, January 18th, the last time that the Rush played, a couple of weeks ago now, and, and another weekend off here for Saskatchewan. But Colorado with a bounce-back victory here. Colorado actually lost in Vancouver the night before, if you recall, 7-5 as the Warriors beat them. And then they come into to, to Saskatchewan, Saskatoon. They get in around 12, 1 o'clock. So not a lot of sleep and, and a day of travel and, and a short break in between the game. And Saskatchewan comes out of this one 3 nothing, flies out of the gates, and you thought, okay, like, there, here we go. 
But give the Mammoth a lot of credit here. Dylan Ward was just absolutely mind-boggling good. Evan Kirk wasn't wasn't terrible either, but uh, 12-6, the Mammoth win this one. They just kind of stopped the bleeding, then went on a run of their own and never looked back in this one. And, and they won it convincingly, 12-6, which now sets up a massive game on the 8th back in Saskatoon with the season series on the line. Oh, absolutely. It was, it was a shocker. Like, I mean, we're used to seeing Colorado and Saskatchewan tight games, defensive oriented, not a lot of separation, no matter what their records are coming in. They always seem to play these close games. Of course, Dylan Ward is Dylan Ward. I mean, Rush had 60 shots in that game and he only got six past him. Yeah. Hashtag uh, trade. And they only scored. Yeah, they, that's right. And they only scored two goals in the final three quarters. Yeah. Like very unrush like uh, statistic, right? And I mean, they have scored more in the first half this season, but the way that Colorado just completely shut them down. And after the game, you heard Derek Keenan talking about the offense and the struggles that they've had this year, because really aside from that game in San Diego and the first half of the win over New York, Mm -hmm. where they scored nine goals, the offense has looked out of sync. Now we've talked a lot about the change in in the philosophy and the the moving, the shifting of the strong side from one side to the other. But the bottom line is, and from what I, you know, reading between the lines of what Derek Keenan has been saying is you just need these guys to, to just, their act together, mostly like find yeah, the net find yeah, like, when uh, they get their looks, yeah, take like, advantage I, of those looks. Exactly. Because I think that the opportunities and that the air quotes, the looks are still there flats. Like they're still, like you said, they got 60 shots on Dylan Ward. They just got to bear down a little bit and bury the ball and, and Buffalo able to get uh 13 against Dylan Ward, who I thought had maybe his worst game of, of the season for sure. But it's doable, right? And and these this this offense has the the firepower to do it. They just kind of got to put it together. They'll get another chance here against the Mammoth coming up. But I mean, this is also kind kind of the year of the goalie here a little bit. If you look at the statistics here of the top goaltenders in the NLL so far, it's very rare to have one or two goaltenders over the 800 save percentage mark. Right now, I think you got seven or eight. It's very rare to have three, maybe four guys under the 10 goal a game mark. Right now, you got six or seven. So it's it's really been a renaissance here for the goalies. And I think partly, and I don't want to get too deep into it, but there's been a new, a bit of a new philosophy for some teams defensively as well as we're, yeah. we're seeing some different, different tactics being taken uh, defensively here by some of the teams where they're not they're you know, they're packing the middle. They are inviting the outside shot They're They're not being overly aggressive and, and it's taken a while for offenses to, to try and adjust to that a little bit. No, I, I, yeah, I agree. And, and I think you will see some of that adjustment as the season goes on. I mean, we see it in other sports too, where, you know, often uh, I'll compare it to football where, you know, often early in a season, you'll have lower scoring games and the defenses will kind of have the advantage early, but then offenses will kind of make adjustments. And I think we're going to see that as well. I don't think you're going to finish the year with that many goaltenders with those kind of numbers, but the bottom line is you have to find a way and you're facing this in the case of the rush. You're going to see the very same team 
this Colorado team. So it's fresh. You haven't seen anyone else. They're going to be practicing this weekend in Toronto, uh, looking at some of the things from that last game on the 18th. I think you will see. Uh, I'm not going to make any game score predictions, but I, I definitely don't think we're going to see it, the same type of a game from the rush in terms of the offensive output uh, come February the 8th. Yeah. I just don't see it happening. There's too many good players, and the coaching is too good. And, you know, it's interesting after a loss like that, and it's been tough for the fans here because both losses have been at home. But I think, you know, there's, it's also good to give it a little perspective. You know, Colorado, you touched on, they lost to Buffalo last week. Well, the rush is bad as they looked in that game and not great in their other home game. They're in first place in the West. (laughs) They have a half game (laughs) lead over Colorado and they have a lot of racetrack left as well. So I think, you know, if they can win that season series against Colorado, you're on the February, February the 8th, that is going to change a lot of the tone around the team and a lot of the feeling and, Rush Nation, I think. It'll, people will kind of settle down. Mm. I was kind of joking. I said, you know, this is year five, and now you know this is a Saskatchewan team. They are they belong here because now people are starting to overreact <laughs> to each game. <laughs> the sky is you know, falling. the wins, the losses. It's just like that other big team here in the province. And, right. and so, you know, you know they're a part of the fabric now because people are living and dying with every game. So I think people that are, are, are concerned are, you know, they're – legitimate in some of those concerns but also this is this is a team that has been there done that and i think they'll be just fine yeah i think some great points being made right there ryan flaherty as uh we're about 15 minutes deep here maybe 16 17 actually let's uh let's take a quick break here on the rush hour podcast presented by merlin ford lincoln and we'll be back with Number 20 in your Rush program, Travis, one half of the Cornwall brothers, Travis Cornwall, will join us on the other side. You're listening to Rush Hour. Hey, Rush Nation, this is Ryan Dilts from the Saskatchewan Rush. You're listening to the Rush Hour podcast presented by Merlin Ford Linton, your premier choice Ford Linton dealer in Saskatoon. Welcome back to the Rush Hour Podcast, uh, Season 2, Episode 3 here, as it's Jake Elliott, Ryan Flaherty with you, and now joined by number 20 in your Saskatchewan Rush program, one half of the Cornwall brothers, Travis Cornwall, he's actually hanging out with Jeff right now, Flats, they're at Joe Forte's, which is a bit of a swanky steakhouse down there in downtown Vancouver. Actually hanging out with former Rush player Matt McGrady right now. Travis, uh, thanks for taking some time out of your busy evening here and joining us on the Rush Hour podcast. Thanks for having me, Jake. My pleasure, our pleasure. Uh, how what, What's on the menu this evening? Uh, you mentioned oysters. I imagine uh, some other things are being being consumed. Well, that's the, that's the number one attraction at happy hour uh, at Joe Forte's is the oysters. A couple of shrimp tacos and other things. More of a happy kind of happy kind of night. Okay, so just nibbling uh, and hanging out with with Matt McGrady. How's he doing? Uh, let Rush Nation know how Matt McGrady has been. Just good. Uh, getting busier with work, obviously not playing on the weekends now, but uh, working out, staying in shape, staying ready for his opportunity, and uh, yeah, just getting busy with work. And speaking of, of not playing on the weekends, uh, it's been a couple, and it'll be another one here before the boys kind of get back in action. How have you 
been dealing with this schedule through the first couple of months of the season where you play a week and then you got a week off or two weeks off and then you play again. Is it difficult for you to kind of stay focused, stay engaged and, and be at your best from week to week when, when it's on and off and on and off? I wouldn't say difficult. Uh, it's weird. It's different. Uh, like sometimes you get back with the guys and it feels like you haven't seen them for a long time. Uh, like the season hasn't even really started yet, uh, but it's going to ramp up here. We have like 13 games over 12 weeks, so we're really going to get into it. Travis, Jake and I were just talking before we uh, we got you on here about the breaks between games and that sort of thing. And I'm curious, like from a player's perspective, uh, we like to talk a lot about momentum and that comes up a lot. But how does the the, the sort of irregular schedule kind of affects the, the continuity when it comes to just systems and getting everyone in a rhythm and, and in sync and that sort of thing, whether it's defense or offense. Uh, you know what? Like, it has a little bit of an effect, but everyone's kind of dealing with a wonky schedule in December, so uh, we're not too worried about it. Obviously, we'd be off to a better start, uh, like with systems and stuff, if we had more, more consistency there. But we're getting together this weekend to practice in Toronto. And hopefully that will uh, help us moving forward. And what do you think? What do you think the focus is going to be at practice, Travis? I know, like defense, I think's been pretty solid. Goaltending's been been okay. The offense, I think, is is where the issues have been early in the season here. What what have you seen so far through five games? Yeah, you know what? At the end of the day, everyone's pulling on the same rope. So regardless of the if offense only scores seven goals, then the defense is. Uh, job that game is to only let in six so uh from that perspective i think everyone's just looking to improve get more into our systems offensively i think uh, maybe the uh three-man right side getting a little bit more used to playing together but defensively we gotta really tighten things up uh get more pressure on the ball better communication get more into like understanding what the other team's trying to do to us so we can be anticipating what's happening as the play is going on Jeff, with or sorry, Jeff, I knew I was going to do that. I knew I was going to do that at least once today. You should just flip them on and just just just, just mess with us, uh, Travis. Just you know, this is your second season now with this team, and I think you know a lot of fans here in Saskatchewan have gotten used to you know the rush kind of rolling, especially at home. It's been a little bit of an odd start with three wins on the road and then two losses at home. I guess the question is for the fans who are maybe. Uh, a little bit anxious after the last game. What, what, what's your sort of words of reassurance uh, for, for those folks? Uh, it's going to come. Uh, like in the words of Aaron Rodgers, like I relax or something, right? That's what he says. <laughs> uh, that was Carey Price. <laughs> I, I, maybe it might have been. It might have been. But uh, it's going to come. The guys are still the same core group of guys, and uh, we're all working hard, and we're going to make it happen. Speaking with Travis Cornwall here on the Rush Hour podcast presented by Merlin Ford Lincoln. Uh, Travis, I I hate to kind of bring this up, but uh, no goals yet as a member of the – I know when when you kind of – when you got here, I mean, you've had a a pretty prolific – you had a a very prolific junior career scoring over 100 points in your final year, but you're a guy that that does enjoy and and can put the ball in the net. But I know when you kind of arrived here in Saskatchewan, the message to you was focus on your defense, worry about the system, play the kind of defense that we want you to play, and and don't worry so much about scoring goals – but on the on the flip side of that, like you want to put one in the back of the goal. Oh, like I definitely want to score. 
But that at the end of the day, if I'm on a two-on-one with Ben McIntosh, like I'm going to give him the ball every time, right? So well, don't let don't uh, let the opponents know that, Travis. <laughs> they already they, if they don't know that they haven't been watching the film. <laughs> fair so, enough. Fair enough. Yeah, but uh, like at the end of the day, like I'm just looking if I can put up some points, create some fast break opportunities. Like I want to be if I'm like from my perspective, like it's more of a process thing. So I'm like. I'm obsessed with the process of making sure I'm involved in those breakouts, whether or not I'm the one that ends up with the goal. That has to do with what the defense is doing, how they're playing us. But uh, if I can create those on-man situations where we're scoring, even if I don't end up on the stat sheet, uh, I'm happy with the result at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, like as far as my main concern is being a consistent defender, a guy who isn't putting our team in compromising positions by taking a lot of penalties, uh, but uh, making the right decisions in transition – and like not making too many mistakes on the DN that are like exposing us to good opportunities for the other team. Well, you might not have scored a goal, but your brother did, and you set him up uh, in a recent game. Just, I mean, for the you know, it's been a long time since you guys got to play together. What was that moment like to to feed Jeff for for the goal and his you know making his return to the team? But overall, just what's it like getting to share this experience with him this season? It's pretty cool, you know, like uh, I thought about it a lot over the last, I guess, eight years, getting the opportunity to play with him. Uh, I think he was having so much success in Saskatchewan that he didn't think about it too much. He was just happy with where he was at. But uh, no, like it's awesome to get the opportunity. We sit beside each other in the dress room. We talk about film every once in a while. We get a chance to work out together during the week. Um, and now it's more of a shared experience before we meet up, like maybe once a week and talk about how the weekend was and the different things that went on. But uh, now it's a shared experience, so we get to do it together. And that's a that's a real cool dynamic. That I, I mean, <laughs> I, I can't imagine how cool that must be to get to play pro lacrosse with your brother. Like that that is a very unique opportunity that you that you guys have. And and it seems like to me, Travis, that that both you guys really kind of relish that opportunity. And and I would imagine a lot of that kind of comes from your parents and, and the way that they raised you guys. Yeah. Like sports was never a question in the family and uh, our family, like my dad's first generation, uh, like moved to Canada when he was nine years old. And as an immigrant family, like very, very tight knit. Like I see my cousins all the time. I'm always hanging out with my parents and my dad. Unfortunately, our sister lives in Europe right now, but uh, so I don't get to see her as much. And but, she might be the best you know, athlete out of the bunch. She, uh, yeah, most people don't know about my sister. She plays on, she's like on the second Canada team for volleyball and, uh, she plays pro out in Europe. She's in like Finland right now. So yeah, Nikki doesn't get a lot of, uh, clout in the lacrosse community, but, uh, she's well known in the volleyball community. Now you guys, of course, aren't the only brothers, uh, brother combo in the NLL, but where, where, you know, do you, do you look for the bragging rights? I mean, Ben, Ben, Benny Max got his brother, uh, playing as well. There's, there's a several other brother combos. Do you like try to, you know, outdo the other brother duos? I don't know if you can ever get the overall bragging rights when, like, the Thompsons are in the league, but... Uh... <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Good touche. And they're probably never going to beat the Gates, so I don't know. But, yeah, like, uh, just, you know what, I think there's an understanding, like, between all the guys that have a brother in the league, like, they understand what it's like to have to play against them and then, like, the joy that you have playing for them. I don't think any of the brothers in the league are very concerned about like where they're just concerned about getting to play with their brother rather than like uh, where they stand against the other brothers. 
Yeah, there's no family uh, family crests being thrown at each other or anything like that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Speaking with Travis Cornwall here from the Saskatchewan Rush, uh, why why number twenty, Travis? Uh, I got to junior when I was 17 years old playing junior A, and there was uh, there was no other numbers available. 20 was there, and I was like, I'll take it, and I've stuck with it ever since. Just simple, simple hmm. story. Yeah, like I always I cycled numbers when I was in minor, and then uh, when I got to junior, just only had the one number left. I think I was looking at the number 10, but Sean Robinson was wearing that. Oh, yes. So uh, number 20, and then when I got to Calgary, Bruce Codd had just moved to – he got traded to Toronto. So number 20 was open there, so I decided to take it. Uh, Travis, you've played in a couple other teams in this West Division. Um, now that you're with the Rush, just what's what kind of perspective does that give you on sort of the, the division? I know teams change, lineups change from year to year, but with the playoff format changing and the, now just two positions left uh, guaranteed in each division, that uh, having kind of seen some of the other teams in the in the division, what's it like being part of the Rush and how – is the West kind of unique maybe compared to the other divisions in the league? Yeah, well, obviously we have the one extra team this year, but just being on the other teams and then coming to the rush, just recognizing having played against them, the core group for so long, like what kind of an opportunity we have this year uh, and going forward to like hopefully compete for a championship. So just recognizing that opportunity and not taking that for granted is probably the biggest thing. And then also like not taking for granted the coaching staff, um, and the management group and the fans, because I've been in situations where uh, those things necessarily haven't been in place, where like we were playing in front of 3,000 fans uh, on home games and stuff like that, and just not taking that for granted, because that's the coolest part of the experience. Last one for me, Travis Cornwall, and I'll, I'll let you get back to your oysters and, and shrimp tacos. Uh, I like to kind of let Rush Nation know about the player away from the game and, and you are a school teacher uh away from the game of lacrosse so where do you teach or i don't know if you have to tell us where you teach but what do you teach and and uh what 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 attracted you to to education uh so i teach uh high school math physics and pe uh in coquitlam uh, i also work for the city of burnaby maybe like eight times a month so i just try to fit that in whenever i can um just teaching, um, I like just working with kids. I coached a lot. As soon as I got out of high school, I started coaching high school field lacrosse. Really like working with kids and like helping them improve and grow. So I just saw the connection, easy, go into teaching, get paid to do the same thing and help kids. So that's really what attracted me to teaching. And it also, it had the work in where like I could be substitute teaching while I played pro and then after like move into the classroom and be a full-time teacher. So it was kind of an easy transition while playing lacrosse and still getting to to teach and not have to have too much trouble with taking time off with my job. So uh, it all worked out perfect. Right. And then you get the summers off too, which is which is kind of nice. Summers are pretty clutch. You're going to be facing Colorado again coming up yeah. here on February 8th. And, you know, after the way that the last game went, is that exactly what you would have wanted to, to get a shot, another shot at them right away? Oh, yeah, it's perfect. Perfect. We get to watch the game film from last game, watch the game film that they produce over the next couple weekends, and come back ready to play in front of our home fans. Well, we're looking forward to it. Rush Nation wants a win, and, and, I, and I'm pretty sure they want a goal from number 20, Travis Cornwall, as well. I, I want to see it, Travis. I hope it happens uh, February 8th against the Mammoth. Look forward to seeing you in Saskatoon in, in just over a week from now. Thanks for doing this, man. Say hi to, to Grady and, uh, and Brother Jeff. 
All right. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate everything you're doing for the sport. Uh, my pleasure, man. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Travis Cornwall right there. An uh, interesting dude, Travis Cornwall is, Ryan Flaherty. Uh, and one of the guys, uh, if you'll recall, back uh, just over a year and a half ago, well, maybe under a year and a half ago now, that was very vocal and very active during the labor dispute between the league and the Players Association. Yeah, absolutely. And you can hear just in that interview, you know, someone who – is well-spoken and understands, you know, has context and, and perspective. And so uh, a great person to have uh, advocating for the players uh, during a labor negotiation. Obviously, he's an educator, you know, he, he knows a lot about a lot of different things. And so having a player like that uh, lobbying on your behalf is a great asset to have. And there are a lot of guys like that in the league, too. That's one of the things I love about the National Lacrosse League, because of the nature of the sport and the, and the league and all these guys with so many other irons in the fire, uh, a lot of Renaissance men in the national lacrosse league. And yeah. so you get a lot of great uh, talents and skills that can be put to use. And that's just another example of that. i uh, tell you what, uh, I don't know how many times the word Renaissance and lacrosse have been hooked up together, but well done there flats. Uh, working that into into the podcast here uh, let's take a quick break and then on the other side we're going to check in with sophomore number three in your rush program connor robinson will join us right after this hey rush nation this is holden garland from the saskatchewan rush you're listening to the rush hour podcast presented by merlin ford lincoln your premier choice Ford Lincoln dealer in Saskatoon. Welcome back to the Rush Hour podcast presented by Merlin Ford Lincoln. Season two, episode three. Uh, good conversation there with Travis Cornwell. My goodness, I don't know what just happened there, but maybe it's our next guest to uh, just put us on speakerphone or something. I don't know. Let's ask him as Connor Robinson now joins the podcast. See, Rob, welcome to Rush Hour. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me on. Uh, give me your Super Bowl prediction right off the bat. Super Bowl prediction? Yeah. Uh, you know, football, you know, it's, it's coming up. It's a rather large game this weekend. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm rooting for the Chiefs, uh, but I just don't think they'll be able to stop that San Fran run defense, so I'm going to pick San Fran to win it all. Mm, spoken uh, spoken like a guy that is pretty heavily invested in, in the fantasy football game, Connor. I, I ran into you back in the summer, and I don't know if I should be telling people this or not, <laughs> but I, I'm going to. Uh, I don't know what happened if you finished last place in your league or whatever, but you, you literally tell, – tell the people what happened here because this was quite the, the – eye-catcher when I saw you. Yeah, so uh, so I lost my fantasy football league, unfortunately. My team uh, my team had high hopes, but they got crushed early on in the season, and they didn't get any better. So my, my punishment was I had to get a haircut and keep it for a week. So I got a nice free haircut from the gentleman who won the fantasy <laughs> football championship. Uh, had to keep it for a week at a, at a big game in Maple Ridge. So I had, I had to keep my head down for the national anthem. But it was uh, it was all in good fun. It was funny. Uh, hair's grown back now, looking better than ever. It sure is. It sure is. Uh, Connor, uh, we'll talk a little bit of lacrosse. Might as well. We have you. We have you on here while we while we have you. Um, second year with the rush. Uh, it's it's the obvious question, but now that you're getting a chance to play every week, uh, get into that lineup. How much 
more confident? How how much better are you feeling this season uh, with the rush? You know, I, I feel a lot better. Um, carrying over from summer, I had a long summer with the Shamrocks, having to make it to the Man Cup. Uh, so I had my stick in my hand the whole summer, really getting my uh, my skills toned and and getting ready for the upcoming preseason. And just knowing I have the opportunity to play, just I couldn't be more excited. You know, watching the team last year, uh, watching Matthew Shatler and Keenan on that left side and see how they work, and just kind of taking it all in from the from the stands. It was unfortunate, but you know, I understood. Uh, so yeah, just being a sponge out there, learning, and finally getting to to show my talent and try to help our team uh, along the season, and hopefully we get another championship at the end of it. Hopefully, indeed, as we speak with Connor Robinson here, and and now through five, <clears throat> seven games of your national lacrosse career here, Connor. Uh, I know you've ran into some pretty stiff competition along the way through your summer seasons and what have you, but has there been a defender in the league that you you kind of took notice of when you went up against like, Ooh, this, this guy's, this guy's pretty good. Uh, yo, absolutely. You know, the Colorado defense, you know, playing against coach, watching them play in the summer, just in film and, and trying to go up to them and, and really size them up. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a big wake up call watching them on film. And it's a, it's a totally different ball game when you finally get out there and, and you see your matchup and you see who's defending you and it kind of gives you a, gives you a, makes you a, do a little double take to see who you're really guarding against. So there's some good defenders out there. I'm curious, like, do you, does your game change or your approach change at all, depending on who you're facing or if you're matched up against certain guys, or are you one of those guys that just, you know, you do what you do regardless of who you're facing? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Uh, I mean, I, I got here for a certain reason. Those are the, the certain skills that I, that I possess in my game. So I like to use that as much as possible. And yeah, I'll, I'll make a few minor adjustments. It kind of depends who I'm going with. Maybe do a little more speed on a bigger guy, something like that. Uh, a little more physical and smaller, but for the most part, just sticking to my game and, and sticking what got me drafted and, and playing in Saskatchewan. Speaking of, of doing what got you here, I don't know if a lot of people know this and, and you, you grew up in kind of my neck of the woods here in British Columbia in the lower mainland and played your lacrosse, uh, your junior lacrosse anyway, for the new Westminster junior Sam Billies and you Connor Robinson are the all time leading scorer in that franchise's history. And, and I would say some pretty decent names have come through that program. What, what does that mean to you when, when you think about that? It, it, it means everything. Uh, you know, seeing those guys, seeing our owner, Walt Weaver, me past him, great guys like John Wilson on that list. Uh, it really puts into perspective that, you know, I, I'm doing what I love and I'm having fun out there and it's giving me success. Uh, but at the same time, I just got to appreciate all the, all the other guys that really battled with me. You know, there's five guys in the offense and sure I might be getting the goal or the assist, but, it's going to be someone else who's not on the statute that's really given me the opportunity to be open and, and give me the opportunity to, to put so many in the back of the net. So, Connor, things are starting to come together for you as a National Lacrosse League player now with the regular reps and everything. So on the floor, things are going well. And off the floor, you made the big move here. You're, you're take, you've taken up residence in Saskatoon, and there's only a couple of guys who have done that in the first few seasons of the rush here in Saskatchewan. And I, I know you've got a few of your teammates uh, sharing a house. Uh, so I guess maybe give us a, a sense of why you decided to make the move out for the season and who you're living with and what that is like for you guys. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a big adjustment for sure. You know, coming from the West Coast, a little bit team or weather, coming to, 
some coming to Saskatoon where it's a little bit colder. I moved here along with three of my other teammates, Justin Robinson, Holden Garland, and and Mark Matthews. And we got we got a nice little spot in a nice neighborhood, um, not too far away from downtown. And we've only been here for about two weeks, but it it's been awesome. You know, uh, I chose to move out here because you know the city of Saskatoon and the fans are great, and I really wanted to experience it firsthand. The culture of living in Saskatoon of of these ice cold winters and and just seeing all these smiles and friendly faces and and going to thank our sponsors and seeing everyone um, witness us and just being so appreciative of what we've done and and just trying to give a little bit back to that. Um, you are? But yeah, no, sorry. Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 I'll let you finish, what you're, finish your thought there. I apologize. Oh, no worries. Uh, no, I was just going to say about the house, you know, it's great. You know, four guys really come closer as teammates and, and bond. It's, it's tough getting to getting to know the, the guys just over the weekends, especially with all these bye weeks at the beginning of the year, especially with the two rookies, Holden and, and Robbie. But it's been great, you know, living with the four of us. Mark brought a dog, our dog around, so we got a little mascot roaming around the house. And, yeah, it, it's, it's been awesome so far. So the big question is then, who's the cook? Who's, who's, the, who's <laughs> running the kitchen? Uh, who's the best chef? You know, who's making the meal? You know, I think Mark takes the, takes the crown on best chef. Uh, I, think, I think I'm running close behind in second place. Uh, the Robbie rookies Justin, never know or, how to cook, right? Like, I mean, the, the the cooking comes with experience. It definitely does. Yeah, I like to. I'm a big not follow a recipe guy. Just kind of smelling the spices, smelling what we're doing, uh, and just kind of playing it by ear. But yeah, Mark has Mark has a couple good recipes that he that he likes to stick oh, by. Right. And, so he gets like hope- the the measuring cups out and then make sure the temperature is correct and all that sort of stuff. He's he's right into it. Oh yeah, he made a roast the other night. Oh, it was my. phenomenal. He put a little Dijon mustard in, a little steak spice. Oh, it was. <laughs> I'm already. It, it's dinner. <laughs> it's dinner time here in BC, Connor. You got to You got to slow down. I, I'm, uh... <laughs> I'm thinking the rush might have to put out a Mark Matthews apron yeah. in the store now. I yeah. think. Uh, I think well, that might I mean, have yeah, to be well, an addition to the uh, rush merchandise lineup. Well, I've been I've been oh, yeah, clamoring got... for like a mailman sort of a get up, but uh, now we're now we're switching genres here a little bit. He's a he's a Swiss Army knife. He can deliver the mail, cook dinner, cook breakfast. <laughs> well, how about this, Connor? Uh, who who's better when it comes to sliding down a hill on an inner tube? Because I saw a little footage on the old IG post there. Uh, there was a race. Uh, a couple of heats took place. Uh, it looked like it looked like the mailman came first and won. I don't know how the seating went for yours truly. Yeah, it was a bit of an asterisk on Mark's part. I give him that. He uh, out of the yes, gates a little early. Tubes. Oh no, he changed tubes right before that race. You know, oh. we were on the hill for about an hour and a half, and <laughs> and right when we got up to the the top of the hill, he switched out tubes. He said his was too slow. Uh-huh. So, well, was that an approved tube? Was it? Was yeah, it? Was sanctions. it? Did you know, the authorities inspect it? You know, I don't. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> but before that, I think I was taking the kick on most of the races. I got my my form pretty dialed down on the tube. You, you talk about the chemistry and, and getting to know the guys away from the, the floor a little bit too, and living with some of those guys. And uh, I'm curious, you know, offensively things have been a little up and down, a little uneven through the first five games of this season. How much does it help to, you know, have a Mark Matthews as a roommate and be able to talk about that kind of stuff away from, you know, practice and away from uh, the game situations? Oh, it's great. You know, even when we're not talking about lacrosse, we're just kind of hanging out. We're still building that chemistry that'll kind of help us out on the floor and kind of give us an advantage where um, other than, other than 
you know, only see him on the weekend. I only get some sort, just a, just a little slice of Mark, but now I'm living with him. I get the whole pie, so to speak. <laughs> it's a big pie. The big pie. <laughs> and, and like, honestly, Connor, I mean, Mark, obviously one of the best left-handers in the game, one of the best players on the planet. What sort of things have you soaked up from from him? You guys kind of play two different styles, but same <clears throat> same position on the floor, pretty much. Uh, what what has Mark taught you? What have you learned from him with with your time together? I think the biggest thing that uh, Mark and also Shaps has also told me this too is just you know you don't have to go one hundred percent all the time. You know, take it slow when you have the ball, kind of sit and kind of shop. Um, full speed is all the time just won't work in this league. So you kind of got to change it up and, and be a little, a little different where you're kind of stop starting, you're hitching and going and you're just kind of keeping the defender and the defense guessing of, of what speed you're going to attack them with. It's probably the biggest thing. Smarter, not harder. Exactly. Well, uh, Connor, you, you, we were talking to Travis Cornwall a little earlier and we were talking about the fact that you get another shot at these Colorado mammoth team coming up right away. Um, how much are you kind of licking your chops for uh, maybe a, a chance, a little bit, maybe a redemption, shall we say, after after the game a couple weeks ago here in Saskatoon? Oh, I can't wait. You know these bye weeks stink, especially when you get blown out like that, <laughs> yeah. like we did in our own in our own barn. But it's nice that we play them again, the same spot, same team, just two weeks ahead. So we have a little bit of a little bit of time just to kind of gather ourselves and. You know, we're, we're going to approach as any other game, you know. We won't take them lightly, but we'll still try to play rush ball and, and do what's made us successful over over the five years we've been in Saskatoon and uh, just hopefully come out and, and put on a better performance than we did last time. Yeah, last one here for you, Connor, and not that you want to look past February 8th, and you, and you mentioned the word stinks, and, and, and it's it really it's, it's stunk for everybody to kind of start this year the way it has with a week on and two off and, and all the rest of it. But coming up here in February, you guys are going to play every weekend, a couple at home, a couple on the road. How forward are you looking to kind of get yourself and, and the team into a rhythm here playing every single weekend? Uh, you know, we, we can't take it. We can't look ahead another week. You know, Colorado is a tough team, and, and they beat us pretty handily last time. So we got to approach that game and, and really take it step by step and really kind of build, the, build that confidence. So we'll start with the one win against Colorado, and then we'll move on week by week and just take every opponent just as we would any other. Fair enough, man. Spoken like a seasoned veteran there for a, for a sophomore <laughs> in the National Lacrosse League. Well done, Connor Robinson. Uh, thanks for doing this. I don't know what uh, Mark made for dinner, but if there's any leftovers, feel free to get at them now. And uh, we'll see you in Saskatoon, not this weekend, but next. Sounds good, Jake. See you soon. My, yeah, I look forward to it, my friend. Uh, that was Connor Robinson right there, and, and – you know, got into a couple of games in his rookie year, flats, but not. I mean, that's so difficult to try and just step in and, and have an impact. But now, in, in a regular rotation, and listen, this kid had a storied junior career. He has won everywhere he's gone, and and he is going to be a special player. And he's right on the the cusp of becoming that. I fully agree. I think we're going to see big things from him down the line, and uh, even as the season progresses, I think he's started going to start to become a more significant uh, contributor on offense as he gets increasingly comfortable playing every week. And, you know, this is a guy who was the third overall pick. Like this is a very good lacrosse player. And just because he was drafted by such a, 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 sta- a team with such a stacked 
offense. He just couldn't get into the lineup last year, and it was no fault of his own. It's just the guys that were in front of him and the system they were playing. So they've opened things up a little bit with the change, and he's getting a little more opportunities this year. But that was always the plan from Derek Keenan's perspective, was to to get Connor Robinson into that lineup regularly. You're not going to draft him if you don't plan to use him. And uh, credit to Connor for being patient and being willing to accept that role last year. Well, because absolutely. some guys who are drafted that high wouldn't necessarily be willing to do that. Exactly. You know, they might ask to be traded. So I think that speaks really high volumes about his character. And uh, that, coupled with his talent, I think uh, Rush fans are going to be uh, chanting the number three's name for, for net many years here in Saskatchewan. Yeah, and, and let's not forget, like, the decision had to be made on who to protect and not protect, and they chose mm-hmm. Connor Robinson over Curtis Knight. And Curtis Knight grew up with Derek Keenan and Ryan Keenan and Mark Matthews. Like, this guy is very close to them, and for, for Jammer and, and Bruce to – Make the decision. Hey, we're keeping Connor, and we're going to expose Curtis Knight. That that tells you pretty much all you need to know on what what this player is going to be. A four year man at High Point University too. We didn't even get a chance to talk to him about that. We got one more quick break to come up here, and we'll wrap things up here on the Rush Hour podcast presented by Merlin Ford Lincoln. We'll look ahead. To February, a jam-packed February, four big games, one a weekend. I can't wait for uh, what's the shortest month of the year. Leap year this year, though, by the way, Ryan Flaherty. Don't forget about that. Get an extra day. Yep. Uh, February is on deck. We're going to talk about it all right after this on the Rush Hour podcast presented by Merlin Ford Lincoln. Hey, Rush Nation, this is Jeff Schaller from Saskatchewan Rush. You're listening to the Rush Hour Podcast with Jake Elliott. Back. Final break uh, is done. No more breaks here on the Rush Hour Podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, two great conversations there. Travis Cornwell, Connor Robinson. Hopefully we, we let you inside a little bit more on, on two players that may not get a lot of the headlines here with the rush. So we'll we'll do this again in February, but let's talk about this big February. I don't know what we're going to do here, Flats, because one of the games comes up on February the 29th, and that's the final day of the month. I'm supposed to put these things out once a month, but I kind of want to wait and encompass the entire month of February. So maybe we'll get clearance from the boss. Maybe we'll release it uh, on the 1st of March, and then we'll do another one at the end of March or something like that. But a big month of February coming up. We've talked a lot about the Colorado Mammoth game coming up on the 8th. Uh, Streetheart will be in the building, by the way, Flats. Uh, I don't know if you're a big Streetheart fan. I am. A chance to win twenty grand as well. Uh, this is going to be a fun night on the 8th uh, with Streetheart. 80s in the building. nights. Yeah. Yeah. This is gonna be cool. Right like, in your wheelhouse. Hey man, don't even <laughs> kid. Like that that was uh those were my informed childhood years there through the eighties. It's an awful decade as a as a whole. Like I I think about all the decades. I think the eighties is I mean I don't know. Not <laughs> I don't want to undersell eighties <laughs> night here, but I think it's gonna be a good time. It it wasn't so great during the eighties, but I think flashing back to the eighties is gonna yeah. be super fun. 
We'll get our knee. We'll get all get our neon going and parachute you know, pants, big, big lapels. I think you and I should wear just big, big suits with big lapels. Yeah, maybe like an acid yeah. wash denim jacket or something like that. <laughs> That's right. uh, would be just uh, amazing. Um, but then after that, uh, we mentioned they play every weekend, so they play at home on the eighth and then onto the road for two. But at least we'll get to watch uh, some Saskatchewan Rush lacrosse first in Halifax and. You know, looking at the schedule at the start of the year, you thought maybe, okay, like this is a chance to kind of get get things going here. But now looking at it five, six games into the year, these these two weeks here coming up against Halifax and Philadelphia, back-to-back road games respectively, which turns out to be, while well, Halifax undefeated still and Philadelphia right at the top of the standings as well, these are going to be two really tough road games here for the Rush. Uh, you got that right, Jake. I think you're you're bang on in that. You know, initially looking at the schedule, going, okay, all right, this is this this is looks pretty good for the rush. But man, oh man, the Halifax Thunderbirds. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, Halifax very similar to the first season for the rush here in Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an existing franchise that relocated. I know they did. Unlike the rush, they didn't win the title last year, but they had you know a lot of the pieces in place already. And you can see that they were able to hit the ground running. It's great for their new fan base out in Halifax to have a, a great winning team right out of the gate. And fans here in Saskatchewan can relate to that. But man, home, road, it doesn't seem to matter. The Thunderbirds, they're scoring a ton. They're getting solid goaltending, which uh, I don't think, I thought a lot of people say, I thought that might be their big weakness this right, season. Right. That has not turned out to be the case. So they're going to be a real tough out. That's going to be a long trip, several time zones out to the to the Maritimes. So that rush will have to contend with a lot of factors there uh, in order to maybe hand the Thunderbirds their first loss. Who knows? By then, maybe the Thunderbirds will have lost, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it, I mean they've been a fun team to watch too. Jameson, of course, they got the Cyborg there. That'll be the the Hossick Bowl, if you will, uh, flats with with mm-hmm. Graham and Matt squaring off, which I really look forward to. But I think you mentioned Warren Hill, and and I six seven games into the season here, he's in the MVP conversation because he hasn't lost a game yet. And I think he's, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say he's been terrific. I was actually talking briefly with Derek Keenan about. Warren Hill uh, prior to the last rush game and just how surprising somewhat it's been and how well he's done. But, you know, Derek was just saying, you know, some guys are just late bloomers, but yeah. he's been watching them for a long time and he's always had the tools and he has a great team in front of him. That helps. Um, but he has been tremendous and don't, you can't understate his impact because as much as they've done a great job of scoring and giving him run support, so to speak, he's done his job. And then some, and he's allowed that offense to kind of freewheel it a little bit because they have the confidence that their guy at the back is going to keep the ball out of the net. And, and here's the crazy part is that he can't even crack the senior A team in his area because he's got Dylan Ward and Dougie Jameson in front of him. <laughs> so he's kind of the third guy on Six Nations there, which is just mind-boggling. But uh, you move along the next weekend and, and off to Philadelphia, and this Philly Wings team is not the team that we saw a year ago that was losing all these one and two goal games. Now they're winning these games, and and uh, an, another big reason for their success. And a guy that Derek Keenan will know very well won a Memento Cup with the with the Whippy Warriors 
in Zach Higgins, who's playing the best goal I've ever seen him play. And on top of that, you got Kevin Crowley in that lineup for a full year. Matt Rambo has really started to excel and understand the box game. And then, oh yeah, their top expansion pick that missed the entire year, a former 50-goal scorer in this league, Brett Hickey, has returned to form, and he's potting four or five a game. So this is a very dangerous Philadelphia Wings team. And let's not forget Trevor Baptiste, who pretty much wins every draw he takes, and now he's starting to score some goals as well. That was the one guy I was just about to mention as he took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, those, those are some real heavy hitters in that lineup. And then when you add a Trevor Baptiste who can win you so many extra possessions in that face-off circle and getting those balls, winning those balls, and then the fact that he's also now have the added confidence to drive down the floor and do some scoring himself, he's an absolute beast. The Rush will have their hands full just with him and then those other guys on offense that you mentioned. That, that's a murderer's row and Philly – Philly fans love their goals, and they're getting a lot of them this year. It's a, it's kind of a throwback Wings look this year, and I think it's great to see a team making that big step after coming into the league last year. And you don't want to see expansion teams scuffle year after year after no. year, so it's fantastic for them for for the entire league. But, man, oh, man, suddenly the Rush got to go to Halifax and Philly on back-to-back weeks. And those are two teams that, you know, if the Rush, you mentioned off the top of the show how important it is to get in in top in your division and maybe have a shot at that home floor in the playoffs. Well, if the rush want to have any hope of not just winning their division, but getting that number one seed down the line, Philly and Halifax are two teams. They're going to need to beat because those teams already have better records than they do. So they need to pull them back to the pack. If they want to keep their eyes on that number one seed down the line. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, out-of-division games, not as important as divisional games, obviously, but this this month of February is really going to kind of tell a story on, on what this team is, is going to be and where they're going to go. Like, they... I don't know what the, what what you're looking for coming out of this next four-game stretch. I think 3-1 and one is achievable, and 4-0 and and oh would be great, but you don't want to go any less than 2-2 two and two out of this next four-game stretch here, and... and with that, they start with Colorado at home. They got those two road games, the tough ones, Halifax, Philadelphia, and then they come back home for minor lacrosse night, which is always one of my favorites in Toontown. All the kids, the jerseys, all the rest of it flats uh, for minor lax night. But they'll take a Toronto, never an easy out. No, it feels like it's been forever since they played the Toronto yeah. Rock. You know, they only yeah. really see them once a year now. But I'm flashing back to the first season here in Saskatoon when they actually played a home and home against the Rock right. on one weekend. And the first game in Toronto got pretty testy and scrappy at the end. Yeah. And then they both had to hop on the same flight <laughs> to right. Saskatoon for the rubber uh. for the uh, for the second half of that one. So. Well, those some memories coming up, but yeah, Toronto again—they always seem to be in the mix, right? Like you—you you just can't overlook that rock team. They've kind of flown under the radar a little bit the last couple of years, but right now, as we as we speak tonight, they have the same record as the Rush, three and two, and uh, they're as you said, never an easy out. Now the Rush will be at home, so hopefully that will give them a little bit of an edge. But uh, that should be a fascinating matchup to watch, especially you know with whatever happens between now and then. Absolutely. I, I can't wait. Uh, I'm off to Vegas this weekend, Flats, but I can't wait to get back into Saskatoon uh, on the 8th for this game against the Mammoth. I think we're done here on, on episode number three, man. You got anything else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? 
I just want to make sure that the, you know, the, the, the Chamber of Commerce in Vegas is aware that you're on your way. I just want to, have they been warned? If so, I will send them an email, maybe make a phone call. Uh, but no, seriously, I hope you have a great time. Uh, I know I've never been. I know this is your first time. Yeah. So, I can't believe you've uh, never you know, been either. Yeah, I, I drove right by last summer while well, pretty close on so my way from San Diego to Denver, but I didn't have time for a Vegas stop. I had baseball games to see. Well, I'll tell so, you what, uh, uh, perhaps, perhaps next summer or the year the year after, yeah, next well, winter maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think uh, eventually a team's going to end up there. So uh, more trips to come, hopefully. And and I got my other podcast partner, Evan Sheminar, who's got a place down there. He's going to look after me. I told him that the first thing we're doing when he picks me up for the airport is, is heading for in and out burger, man, because, uh, I went to school in the university down in California. I, I left there in 1995 flats. That's the last time that I had an in and out burger. And I've been, oh, wow. I've been craving it ever since. And, and it just so happens today as we record here on Wednesday, I, I hit my goal of, of a hundred pounds uh, weight loss. Hey, congrats! Yeah, I man. appreciate it. Uh, I stepped on the scale today and and was under by about point six. So uh, burger joints in Vegas are, are going to get a workout this weekend because uh, I'm throwing <laughs> caution to the wind as I, I have reached my goal. It came 17 days later than I wanted it to, but I got there and and now I'm going to reap the rewards at uh, In and Out Burger with some animal style fries. I think that is uh, richly deserved, and uh, whether you hit it by the date you want it or not, it's a really, really impressive what you've done here over the last year, man. I think it's inspirational for, for a lot of folks. So uh, you uh, enjoy those burgers. I had some in burger last summer, actually, when I was in California, okay. so, so I know good. what you're in for. You're so good. enjoy that. <laughs> enjoy the time in Vegas, and uh, and uh, bring me a doggy bag next week right. when, uh, when you get here for All the right. game against Colorado. I'll throw it in the freezer, and... Uh thought out uh, just before i leave hey rush nation hope you enjoyed episode number three big thanks to connor robinson and travis cornwall for making time for us say buds thanks to you for for doing this man i just think uh it's way better to to have somebody to kind of banter back and forth with instead of just me rambling and uh i really appreciate you stepping up and, and doing with this with me i have a lot of fun doing it with you i hope you do as well and and to merlin ford lincoln for for sponsoring the podcast Make sure if you need a new Ford or Lincoln, go to your premier choice in Saskatoon, Merlin Ford Lincoln. That is all for episode number three. Thanks for listening, everybody, for the fastest game on two feet. And for the creator, enjoy the games, everybody. <laughs>